This is a reminder you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. And this is Engana with God. You're listening to the Breakfast Show. Double L team, Lyle and Lawson right here. Let's have a clue for our quiz. Nobody's yes. got this one yet, but we did have a big clue in the last section. Let's have a couple clues. Okay, let's, let's do, do it. Let's do a couple clues. So we know that this person, um, their parents are Jockerbed and Amram. Um, we know that this person now, um, the clue says, I was covered with leprosy because the Lord was angry with me. Okay. Rough gig. Brother had leprosy too. Yes. For a while. For a small period of time. Um, and I am one of the three people the Lord said he sent to lead Israel out of Egypt. Interesting. Mm. Who? So they both, they both actually only had leprosy for a short amount of time, but the brother definitely had it for a shorter amount of time. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, yeah. of course, just reminding you guys, the giveaway for today, if you get this quiz correct is Julian Archer's History of Tomorrow, which is a fantastic book about the the book of Daniel, about those prophecies. So if you give us a call, 1-800-324-843, and you know the answer, you'll win that completely for free. But right now, let's stop talking about giving stuff away in relationships. And let's start talking about Prophetica. And let's talk, uh, yep, talk about Prophetica, yep. So if you are enjoying Bible prophecy here on Faith FM as we go through the book of Daniel, and if you are anywhere near Armadale, so if you are in Gyra, if you are in Gleninus, if you are in Tamworth, kind of anywhere in between, anywhere in Newcastle, Newcastle, Melbourne, Perth. (laughs) <laughs> Malaysia Cape Town <laughs> um, Louisville, Kentucky We have listeners in Cape Town Yeah, we do Shout out Cape Town um, Okay, so if you're in any of those areas Then uh, <laughs> It's pretty much the whole earth Head to Armadale You <laughs> might be a little late in arriving If you're coming from Cape Town <laughs> But anyway, if you're anywhere near Armadale Head on over to the Adventist Church 6.30 this evening We're going to get started there uh, Jeff Yulden, Matt Parra, yours truly, um, will all be speaking on uh, various Bible prophecy subjects. You will have the opportunity to ask your questions, mm. have your questions answered. We're going to have question and answer time, which is always a fun part of doing Prophetica. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> so let's get into our Bible study of the day right now, which is Daniel chapter 7. And just to do. A quick review of yesterday, we looked at identifying characteristics of the Antichrist. Yes. We looked at 10 of them. And in case you're wondering who the Antichrist is, the Antichrist is the Vatican. Oh, okay. Bam. Yeah, just put it out there. Which is a big statement. Dropping bombs. Just a big statement right there. And a lot of people are like, oh, what? What did he just say? How could you possibly say such a thing? Um, you know, because the Roman Catholic Church does so much good in our world today. And we need to recognize that. Um, but the Bible identifies this particular system, not the people, obviously, because good people, Yeah. but identifies the system as being against God. Mm-hmm. And when you compare the system with the Bible, then that's the result that you're going to come through, come to. Because, you know, as Christians, we're supposed to be students of the Bible, and mm. we're supposed to follow the Bible rather than tradition. And so this is a system that where, where tradition got out of control, tradition took over, and, you know, thus you've got some reactions to it, 
like you know the Great Reformation of the 16th century. You have that in Western Europe. Uh, the reaction in the East was the rise of Islam, um, <clears throat> and so you got these two big reactions to, you know, I guess many of the corruptions that came mm. into the church through traditions. You know, you you get um, you're coming out of these pagan religions that had multitudes of gods, for instance. And a lot of that was just adopted straight into Christianity. And they changed the names of the gods and called them saints. Mm. And where they used to pray to all these different gods, now you pray to all these different saints. You just don't find any of this in the Bible. In fact, you say, find the Bible saying, don't do this kind of thing. Mm. And so the Bible, the Bible stands up and predicts it as a, as a big end time movement. The Bible also predicts it as being a very powerful, and this is interesting, a very powerful political movement. Mm. And you're going to find that when you look at it, the world today, because you know the Vatican, the Roman Catholic Church, the Pope are deeply involved in global politics at the very, very highest level. Yes, um, these are some of the major players in world politics right now. And once again, this is an area where Christians we shouldn't be getting involved in that. Mm. Just stay out of that. Um, there's this thing called separation of church and state, and so. The Bible, you know, God obviously seeing this and recognizing it and seeing it as a major force within Christianity wants to warn us against this and says, no, this is against Christ. Mm. So don't don't go down this particular path. And, of course, <clears throat> we need to recognize that, you know, we're talking about the system here. We're not talking about Roman Catholics. We're not talking about the people. Mm. Um, and if you're a Roman Catholic today listening to this show, <clears throat> then we're not talking about you. We understand that people are not saved or lost by a church. Mm. A church can't save you or lose you. It is only Jesus who can save you or lose you. That's where it's at. And so this is not about you know one church versus another church or anything like that. The simple reality is we need to know and have a living connection with Jesus Christ ourselves mm, personally. Amen. And of course, you know, the Vatican's not the only country in the Bible that is mentioned as the Bible in the Bible as being doing terrible things. Yeah, there's another prophecy in Revelation 13, which talks about the United States. Yeah, wow. Now, my wife and by default, both of my sons are citizens of that country. Doesn't oh, mean that they oh, are bad people <laughs> just because they are citizens of that country. Shame. You are not saved or lost. Once again, you are not saved <laughs> or lost, depending on where your citizenship is, provided your citizenship is in heaven. Amen. Um, Amen. But you're not there saved you or lost. Go. You know. By what country you come from or what church you belong to, you're saved and lost by your relationship, your connection with Jesus mm. Christ. We yeah. need to make that super clear right now at the very beginning, before we go any further. Because what we need to do is a big claim, it's a bold claim. We need to look through identifying characteristics and we need to find out, you know, is this for real? So we'll do a quick run through of the identifying characteristics that we went through yesterday and then we're going to spend some time looking at some uh, documentation. So first of all, the Bible says that the little horn, the Antichrist, would arise out of the head of the fourth beast. Mm -hmm. The fourth beast was Imperial Rome. And so we know that the little horn, and of course it was Western Rome, that was divided into ten separate nations. Mm-hmm. The Bible says the little horn arises out of the head of the fourth beast amongst the ten horns. Mm. It's very, very clear it's going to arise out of Western Rome during a time period when Western Rome has been divided into ten separate nations. And, of course, if we go back through history, we're going to find that uh, when Rome collapsed, when it fell apart, it was not conquered by another empire. It simply disintegrated. And Western Rome initially disintegrated into ten separate 
nations. Mm. Now, if we cover a little bit more history of that, we're going to find that uh, three of those nations were very, very bitterly opposed on theological grounds to what was you know, the Roman Catholic Church and really stood in the way of that church being able to exercise any form of power whatsoever at all. And so what took place... Oh, the, other, the other thing that we need to notice also is that the, the seat of the empire was moved from the city of Rome to the city of Constantinople. So it was moved out of Europe into Asia. And this left a massive power vacuum in the West, which is one of the reasons why the West collapsed. And so to stabilize the West... The Emperor Justinian, who was in the East, decided he needed to, to have you know some major figure, some major political figure in the West who could stabilize the, the whole situation there. Mm. And so what he another problem he had at the time was that a number of the major bishops of major Christian centers were all having an argument with each other as to who was um, who had the primacy, who was the number one bishop. Mm. And so he's like, well, we can solve all these problems at once. He proclaimed the Bishop of Rome as number one. Mm. And at the same time, gave him political power similar to what an emperor would have. Mm. <clears throat> and so it was almost like, okay, you can be my co-emperor uh, over there in the West, but you know, you be head of church, I'll be head of state, and we will work together to hold this empire together. It didn't work. The empire still collapsed. You had the Heruli, the Vandals, and the Ostrogoths, who at various times ruled in Rome and controlled the papacy. Yeah. And so... Um, you come down some years from that and you have, um, you know, Belisarius is sent across there. You know, Justinian makes this decree, but it doesn't come into effect because he has to send his general Belisarius across there to sort things out. Basically, they stir up a, stir up a war between the Vandals and the Heruli in which they basically, you know, it's a Pyrrhic victory. They wipe themselves out and <clears throat> weaken themselves to the point that they just disappear off the off the scene. The Ostrogoths are ruling in Rome um, and they are controlling who it is that becomes Pope. They're placing their men in as uh, the Bishop of Rome. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So they're placing their man in as the Bishop of Rome. And, of course, this is not satisfactory to the church at that time that was based in Constantinople. And so Belisarius... Um, had to go across there. He drove the Ostrogoths out of Rome, mm. uh, was then able to execute the Pope that they had placed in position and to install the Pope that um, that Justinian, the emperor, wanted in that position. So mm. he, he was able to execute the uh, Ostrogoth-selected Pope and install his, uh, his own, of course, for reasons of uh, the necessity of papal succession, um, all the Ostrogoth popes are still listed, or Ostrogoth appointed ones are still listed. Um, you know, going back to uh, supposedly back to Peter, mm. the Apostle Peter. Uh, but that was what he was able to do. And really, in the year 538, after he drove the Ostrogoths from Rome, even though the Ostrogoths did come back, you know, on occasion, and they they never gained they never gained control of the church again. Mm. And that's the key right there. And, of course, the Ostrogoths, because of that defeat, eventually they uh, they disappeared. They just disintegrated, fell apart, disappeared, and vanished. Mm. And so what you find is when you look at your ten nations that were the original nations that formed the Western, that, that formed in the wake of the Western Roman Empire, 
you find that in coming to power, the Vatican destroyed three of them, the Vandals, the Heruli, and the Ostrogoths. You can go to, to Western Europe today and you do not find the descendants of those particular groups still in existence. Mm. And so we've got some really interesting history that we can note right here. Some of the other things that is interesting to note along the way, of course, is that and I'm having a bit of a monologue here, aren't I? Yeah, no, it's going. It's, it's good. <clears throat> uh, is that the political titles of mm. the empire were transferred to the Bishop of Rome, and he still holds them today. Mm. And so, for instance, the um, the emperors had the title Pontifex Maximus, mm. which was a religio-political title. Yeah. And that particular title, the Emperor of Rome was like, okay, you know what, I'm going to hand this over to the Bishop of Rome. It was given to the Bishop of Rome. So the Bishop of Rome became the pontiff. And we still call him the pontiff today, and that is a remnant of imperial Roman rule. Yeah, that's a remnant of pagan worship where the emperor oh, himself would absolutely. be God. Like yeah, That's yeah, the yeah. whole point of that title. Julius it? Caesar once held that title. Yeah. As a you know divine worshipped person. Yeah. Uh, Julius Caesar pretty much held any title he could get his hands on. <laughs> it was kind of... Um, <clears throat> Until he couldn't hold anything. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> But yeah, um, that's crazy. That's actually I, yeah. really interesting to think about. Like, the, that title is solely pagan, <laughs> and yet it's held by the, the figure of Christianity. Um, <laughs> that's like, oh, that, I think that just shows you, like, as we've been speaking about, this system against God, it, like, even in its roots, it's something that wasn't conceptively clean. It was, it began out of paganism, which is... Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and so particularly when you go back to, say, your 4th and 5th century, you find an era <clears throat> in which paganism is basically just flooding into the church mm. to the point where if you were to remove everything from Roman Catholicism that originated with paganism, this is a big statement, but if you remove everything that originated with paganism, you'd have nothing left mm. of any significance whatsoever at all. It is... Quite remarkable. And, you know, students of history understand this very, very well. In fact, it was their very, very specific, you know, particularly after the time of Constantine, from Constantine forwards, when um, Constantine converted to Christianity and made Christianity the state religion, it was the specific and stated object of the church to convert pagans by adopting paganism into Christianity. Mm. <clears throat> and and so this is why you know there's a, there's a reason why the Bible speaks up about this. There's a reason why you know God foresaw this, foretold this, and warned us against, and said, okay, don't be part of this. There are you know better things that you can be a part of. Mm. Now, if we continue on from there, and of course I understand that you know a lot of our listeners are Roman Catholics and all the rest, and are good God fearing people that worship God with you know this is not about you know people once again. Mm. <clears throat> okay. So moving on from there, the next thing the Bible says is that um, this particular uh, entity would have a mouth 
speaking great things and blasphemies. Mm -hmm. First century definition for blasphemy. What was it, Lawson? Um, The first century definition of blasphemy as given by the Bible that we discussed yesterday was to um, claim to be God and claim to have the ability to forgive sins. Okay, and of course you'll find that in a number of different places in the Bible. We went to Mark chapter 2, John chapter 10, where we found that. And of course it's important to get a, the correct definition so that you know we're dealing with a definition that comes from that era, not from a def- definition that comes from our era, so that we sure. know exactly what the Bible is talking about. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, you know, does this actually exist? Now, of course, we do have this thing um, called auricular confession that I think that most people would be familiar with. And <clears throat> within... Um, you know, auricular confession, you have uh, a place where you go and confess your sins rather than to a rather than to God, to a human being. Now the Bible is very, very clear on this. The Bible says no, we only have one mediator. Yes. You mm. don't have you don't have a system <clears throat> or a hierarchy of mediators, you know, beginning with, you know, fellow human beings are sinners like who are sinners like ourselves, working up to saints who once were sinners and are now no longer sinners, and then to angels who have never sinned, and then to Jesus Christ, and then to God the Father. No, we have one mediator, and that is Jesus Christ. The Bible's crystal clear on that. Um, And so we need to go directly to Jesus Christ to find forgiveness uh, for our sins. Um, But I just read a couple of statements here that I think are very significant. And what's also significant, of course, is that the Royal Commission that we had here in Australia recently found that, you know, the confessional was one of the biggest problems that created an environment for child abuse here in Australia. Mm. Um, and so, you know, it would be unfair of us to read what Protestants or atheists or, um, you know, people of other religions said about the you know, the Catholic Church, yeah, we, sure. should, we should simply read the things that they say. Um, <clears throat> and this is a very famous priest, uh, wrote a lot of books, um, Liguri, uh, Duties and Dignis- Dignities of the Priest, and he says this, God himself is obliged to abide by the judgment of his priest, whether not to pardon or pardon according as the priest refuses to give absolution, provided the penit- penitent is capable of it. Mm. Uh, there's a few other statements here. Uh, you have John Paul II speaking about it and so forth. Uh, makes a very strong statement in relationship to this. Um, the priest, oh, this is the um, Michael Mueller. Uh, another priest, he says, uh, the priest does not only declare that the sinner is forgiven, but he really forgives him. So great is the power of the priest that the judgments of heaven itself are subject to his decision. Mm. We also found that claiming to be God was one of the identifying characteristics of Mm. blasphemy. And, of course, to claim infallibility, and, of course, our recent popes haven't used that infallibility in recent times, but it's there and it's available to them. They certainly haven't uh, rescinded it in any way, shape, or form. But to claim infallibility is is to, in another way, claim to be God, because only God is infallible. Yeah. Uh, but there's many, many statements that are very, very similar to this. Um, you know, the Pope is not only the representative of Jesus Christ, the, nation, the Catholic National Journal. The Pope is not only the representative of Jesus Christ, but he is Jesus Christ himself hidden under the veil of the flesh. Mm. Uh, John Paul II says, Have no fear when people call me 
uh, the vicar in place of Christ, when they say to me, Holy Father or your holiness, Christ declared, Call no one on earth your father, you have but one father in heaven. In other words, that's God. Um, one must not be afraid of these words. In other words, don't be afraid of calling me Holy Father because that's who I am. Mm. And Jesus says there's only one Holy Father and that is God. Mm. And so, you know, we could read many similar statements right here, very, very strong statements um, where these kind of claims are made. A lot of, you know, the average person is not familiar with these. Mm. This is what I do find. And when I share them with people, they're like, wow, really? Seriously? And it's like, well, actually, yeah, this is this is what it does say. Uh, it goes on, and, and and the Bible. One of the other identifying characteristics that the Bible gives is be stronger than you know some of its others. We're going to come back and talk about the global strength and political influence that the Vatican has used over the years. This is the welcome wagon with hail to the Lord's anointed.
You're listening to the Welcome Wagon, Wagon. Hail to the Lord's Anointed here on The Breakfast Show. We're talking about uh, the subject of the little horn this morning and we're running through our identifying characteristics as we find them in Daniel chapter 7. Now, Daniel chapter 7 mentions that uh, this particular power would be more stout or stronger than its fellows. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, you know, what what level of power and influence does the Vatican actually have in our world today and what level of influence has it had in the past? Now, in the past, you know, today it's a, it's, it's a, it's a global power, one of the three largest uh, global powers between the United States um, and China mm. uh, with a couple of other big rivals up there, but it's definitely, uh, it's definitely in the top three, if not the top two. And... It, uh, but in the past, it has been right at the top, top dog. And the reason that that was the case, particularly in Western Europe, was because of, you know, among, amongst many, many other factors, the power of interdict. Um, and so the way interdict worked was basically if you got upset with the ruler of a particular nation, you could uh, take one of your keys. Uh, you'll see those on the Vatican flag, the Vatican coat of arms, and you could use one of those keys to close the gates of heaven to the entire nation, open the gates of hell, so that everybody who died during that time would automatically go to eternal hellfire. Not purgatory where you could get out of, but eternal hellfire. Yeah. And in today's day and age, we kind of laugh at that a little bit, but during the Dark Ages, medieval period, that was a really, a very real thing. Yeah. And, you know, the Pope did use that on occasions. For instance, uh, Henry the Fourth of... You know the Holy Roman Empire, which was the world equivalent, you know, of the world superpower of the time. This yeah. is this is this is the equivalent of, you know, the United States. This is mm. the equivalent. He was the equivalent of Donald Trump. Yeah. And the Pope got upset with him, and so the Pope just closed the gates of heaven and opened the gates of hell to his entire empire. Wow! And just in one move. <laughs> now I want you. I want you to imagine Donald Trump doing this because Henry the Fourth goes to see the Pope in the middle of winter. Hmm. Imagine what traveling is like back in the day. Mm. Freezing cold. The Pope is uh, spending the winter at a castle called the Castle of Canossa. Mm. And when he arrives there, um, knocks on the gate, wants to come in out of the cold, and the Pope says, actually, no, you're not worthy to see my face. You can stand outside in the snow. Here, wear this hessian bag and stand in the snow until I deem that you are worthy enough to see my face. Now, can you see Donald Trump doing oh, that? Oh, man. What <laughs> and this is the equivalent. trip. And, and Henry IV had to stand there for four, three days mm. before he could get the empire out of interdict. Mm. And so that is a lot of power. Yeah. That is a massive amount of power. You know, King John of England found himself in much the same situation, and so he gave his whole kingdom, just just gave it to the Vatican and rented it back for a 1,000 marks a year. <laughs> just like, here, have England, have the whole lot. Um, <clears throat> you know, took, his, took his crown off, placed it at the feet of the Pope's representative in London, and the Pope's representative just got up and kicked it with his foot. We would be a bit offended if that happened today to Queen Elizabeth. And that that would be wild. Even though, you know, we have a um, a symbolic head of state. Mm. 
we would still be offended if something like that happened. But that's how it was. That is a massive amount of power. We mm. have no idea, unless you know your medieval history. And very few people study medieval history. It is just, it is not taught because medieval history really is, particularly Western medieval history, is the history of the Roman Catholic Church. Yeah. That's, that's really what it is. Mm. And it's a, it's, a, it's a very, very torrid <clears throat> history. Mm. Um, it, it delves into the depths of human depravity and ignorance. There's a reason why it's called the Dark Ages. It begins at the end of the Roman Empire, 476, and it ends with the deadly wound of the Vatican in 1798, mm. uh, which brings us to another couple of our identifying characteristics that we need to uh, we need to talk about. And the next one coming along is uh, what you find in Daniel 7 and verse 21. It says that this particular entity would persecute, bitterly persecute the saints of God. Mm. And so during the Dark Ages, you have about 150 million people who lost their lives because of their faith. A very large proportion of those lost their lives because they believed in the Bible. Yeah. And believed that, you know, we should preach the Bible, teach the Bible, uh, print the Bible, share the Bible. Um, having a, Owning a copy of the Bible was punishable by death. Even studying the Greek language so that you could read the Bible in its original language was uh, punishable by death. The Bible was only allowed to be read in Latin, and Latin was only taught to priests. Mm. And so basically, you know, the Bible was removed and banned from the people under, you know, pain of death. And, <clears throat> you know, there were there was genocide, mass genocide that took place in many parts of the world against so many different people during this period because of, uh, you know, their faith. Mm. And... <clears throat> um, you know, you look at you look at some of the, you know, we look at Islam, for instance. We say that Islam is a violent religion. Well, Islam has nothing like the history of violence that uh, Christianity does. Mm. And we need to recognize this, and we need to hang our heads in shame as Christians because Christianity has done terrible, terrible things in the past. Uh, let me see. What else have we got here? Um, it would be different from the others. It would be a union of church and politics. Well, that is exactly what it is. It changed times and laws. This is an interesting one. We need to talk about times and laws for a moment <clears throat> because times plural, laws plural. If you read the Ten Commandments in the Catechism and compare it with the Ten Commandments in the Bible, you're going to find that two of God's laws have been changed. One has been deleted altogether. Mm-hmm. Thou shalt have no carved images, and there's obvious reason why if you go to a Catholic church. Um, the other is, uh, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Mm. And so two laws have been changed. The, the Sabbath one is still there, but it doesn't tell you the seventh day. Mm. Uh, so both of them are, you know, both those laws have been changed. The, the church also changed the times, two times. And so it changed the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday, you know, hundreds of years after, after Christ. This happened. Changed from Saturday to Sunday, and it also changed the time from sunset to sunset to midnight to midnight. So two times were changed, two laws were changed, just as the prophecy said. The prophecy wow. also said it would persecute for 1,260 years, and that one was fulfilled exactly because persecution began when political power came into effect in 538 when Justinian's pope came into power by driving the Ostrogoths out of the city of Rome and it ended in 1798 when Napoleon took the Pope prisoner, uh, abolished the papal government, not the church, but the papal government, mm. 
declared a Roman Republic in its place and decreed that there would never be another Pope again, uh, sent him into captivity where he died in prison in exile. Mm. Um, and so that took place in 1798. And no one even you know, stirred a finger. No one turned a hair about any of that. They just um, yeah, were like, yeah, whatever. Um, and everyone thought, well, that's it. It's over for the Vatican. Well, things have certainly changed since then. That mm. deadly wound has been healed to the point you can't even see the scar tissue anymore. <clears throat> mm. um, and so as you work your way down through these identifying characteristics and you look at the power, the global power that the Vatican wages today, or, or wields today, I should say, and the level of influence that it has. And, you know, our, our current Pope has done a lot of good things, and he's done some pretty terrible things as well. You know, he has the opportunity to do... He's an institution that has the opportunity to do so much good in our world. Mm. It's already doing a lot of good, but he could do so much more and really bring this institution into the current era. It would be an amazing thing. But anyway, this is Lesser Light Collective with... Choose Your Beast. You're listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. If you've got questions, just give us a call on 1-800-324-843. It all comes down to the lamb slain from the foundation of creation. It all comes down to the life poured out in the center of Revelation you a story we'll start with the sea beast he seeks his own glory up from the sea he comes looking gory with seven heads ten horns blasphemies on each head it's a leopard with a bear's feet a lion's mouth it'll fill you with dread the dragon gives him power power to devour power to make everyone bow down and cower a wound on its head should have left it dead but it's resurrected and respected instead and the world is awed Treats the dragon and the beast like Hollywood stars In arrogance he blasphemes the temple and its god For 42 months he wars to overcome the saints But here's the patient saints The beast will get his payment Wait, and if your name isn't found written in The Lamb's book of life You're gonna worship him That beast with sadistic plans He's got the whole world in his hands And he's not just a violent opposer He's a subtle imposter, a tooth face poser if you're not his enemy then you're his soldier you don't know enough to win the battle on your own he who enslaves will be a slave killers will be killed the beast seems to rule but the prophecy will be fulfilled it all comes down to the lamb slain from the foundation of creation it all comes down to the life poured out in the center of revelation The earth beast seems innocent as it ascends Lifted up from the wilderness With two horns on its head like a little gentle pet lamb But don't get too close, it speaks like a dragon Destruction is its middle name Undercover killer, friends with the sea beast Shares in its bragging Falling down so far feels like flying Leading the majority away from Mount Zion It's an atrocity, flagrant idolatry Spitting in the face of the God they say they're following He performs signs, fire from the heavens falling 
calling Multitudes fooled by the power that is calling Word of God's only thing that can free them It all comes down to the Lamb Did you buy the beast program, friend? It's time to uninstall Cause with all his commands there's a virus involved Speaks through his teeth, make an image to the beast He breathes into life and the precious increase Makes a mark on their forehead or hand at least So we can see clearly who will be policed Each victim receives it, whether small or great Whether rich or poor, whether free or slave He tricks, buy or sell, but your soul it can't fix Let him with understanding calculate this The number of the beast is 666 He it all comes down to The lamb slain from the foundation Hamilton Adventist Church in Newcastle, we have a food pantry service for the community. Everyone is welcome to join us for a free dinner. Enjoy good company and have a great time. All you need is $10 to buy a numbered ticket and you can collect a trolley's load of food ranging from fruits, veggies, tin food, pasta bread and toiletries. Every Thursday, the food pantry starts at 4.45pm with a 5pm start for dinner. Find us at Hamilton Adventist Church at 105 Lindsay Street, Hamilton every Thursday evening. All will be welcomed with love and a smile. We really hope to see you there. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Did you plan to have toast for breakfast before switching to cereal? Or maybe the shirt you're wearing was a last minute swap. We've all changed our minds before, but how about your career? You can change this too, you know. Do your Master of Teaching at Avondale University College and be classroom ready in two years. Change your mind to change the world, one classroom at a time. Avondale University College. Called to be a teacher? Called to be at Avondale. Have you ever seen kindness all around? 
from your lips my name your call Jesus it's you I'll stand before Totally in all It's unimaginable There's a place we're going to At Jesus' feet all things will be made new And there's a place where all our longings are fulfilled Missing peace in the puzzle is filled You've made me completely Welcome back, everybody. That was Anna Beaton with Unimaginable. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. We're about to have another clue for our quiz. And then a super controversial question of the day. Okay. Can't wait for it. Who am I? I spoke against Moses, my brother, because he was a Cushite. Okay. If he was a Cushite, wasn't she a Cushite? Y- yeah. Anyway. <laughs> One eight hundred three two four eight four three is the number to call. That's one eight hundred Faith FM. If you know the answer to that question, or text us on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Question of the day. All right, Lyle. Question of the day. Yes. Let's say Jesus was here. Yes. In the he flesh. Is. He. Well, he is. He's in with spirit. us in spirit. Let's say Jesus was here in the flesh. Okay. And. Um, you know, voting, voting. Okay, so but a- the, the American politics are really winding yeah, up yeah, with the presidential we- elections, right? Here we go. And let's say it was mandatory to vote in America and Jesus had to do it. Who would he vote for? <clears throat> this is a really interesting question, particularly when you look at uh, what Jesus said and how Jesus acted in relationship to politics in his day. Politics in his day were no different from our day. You had your left, you had your right, you had everything in between. And when you look at the disciples that Jesus chose, you find that, uh, yeah, most interesting. But first of all, we need to recognize that Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. Mm -hmm. The second thing we need to recognize is that every system of government that has ever been invented by human beings has failed. Yes. Now, I like a democratic system, Mm -hmm. probably because that's what I've grown up with. I like... A capitalist system, once again, something I've grown up with. It's what I'm familiar with, and I have lots of you know philosophical reasons as to why I believe that is best. Mm-hmm. But when I look at Jesus, in Jesus' day, <clears throat> you had your right wing, which were your Pharisees. You had your left wing, which were your Sadducees. You had your extreme right, which were your zealots. Mm-hmm. Then you had your extreme left, which were your tax collectors. Mm. And when you look at the disciples of Jesus, let's think about the disciples of Jesus. You had Simon the Zealot. Yes. He was recruited by Jesus from the extreme right, a member of a local terrorist cell. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then you have... Um, uh, Matthew the tax Matthew collector. Matthew the tax collector. I'm trying to remember. Matthew the tax collector, who was recruited from the extreme left. Mm. You cannot get much more, you know, in bed with the Romans than a tax collector. 
Then you have, you know, all of the rest of them that were kind of somewhere in between. You've got Nicodemus, who mm. was a Pharisee. Yes. And who becomes a disciple of Jesus Christ. Um, you've got the Apostle Paul, who was, you know, the Pharisee of the Pharisees. Mm. And you've got so many others. And what you find amongst the disciples of Jesus, you've got the extreme, extreme left, you've got the extreme right, and you've got everything in between. And it's no wonder that they used to argue amongst themselves about who would be greatest in the empire because they were all trying to figure out whereabouts on the political spectrum does Jesus fit in. And the simple reality is when it comes to earthly politics, he just doesn't fit. Mm. He doesn't fit anywhere there. And so... When it comes to, you know, say, for instance, uh, election time here in Australia, which is, of course, mandatory voting, then it becomes a matter of conscience. Yeah. You have to, with your conscience, and, and I think that, you know, when I look at the political parties, <clears throat> there are some things I can find to agree with on the extreme right. Mm -hmm. There are some things that I can find to ex agree with on the extreme left. Mm -hmm. There are things on the moderate left that I agree with and some things on the moderate right I agree with. Personally, you know, no one's going to uh, put me anywhere other than right of centre. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just, that's, I think anyone who listens to this show would know that, uh, that that's where I would, I would come in here as far as earthly politics go. I believe that our politics should be influenced by our Christian Morality, yes, yes. Um, but I do believe that in that politics should remain secular. There should be separation between church and state. We should not be legislating any of the first four commandments. It's the last six mm. that apply to uh, you know the political sphere and to the morality that you know the, the government needs to be you know standing for and upholding. And so this is something that hey you know wherever you find yourself on the spectrum. Take it to God in prayer. This is not your salvation at stake. Did you see last night's debate? The issues pressing as of late. Who's your favorite candidate? Which front man will System functioning that proves so much as anything. These suits can only fail. Say I'm ready to attack, but I've seen princes walking, and I've seen fools on horseback. joke interpreted by common folk to mean quite something else but that's the way of politics it's not so much the truth that sticks but getting just a few more clicks in those who power
peace upon the one who can supply the one and only plan that will bring justice here. Alison Brooke there with uh, Fools on Horseback. This is The Breakfast Show. We've come to the end of the show, which means we're about to give something away. What have you got for us to, for our free giveaway there, Lawson? Oi, I got a book. I have a book. An amazing book. An incredible book that is so, so, so amazing and powerful, especially in relationship to what we're talking about here. Um, what we've been talking about in our, um, in our Bible study. I'm just, I'm just watching Lyle die in the corner, but that's all right. Hey, the, we're giving away the book. It's called Great controversy. Now, this is a fantastic book. It's a faith-changing, life-changing, faith-enhancing book um, about the very events that we've been speaking about in relationship to, you know, the rise of the Antichrist, all the things that we see in Bible prophecy and how they relate to history over the last 2,000 years. That's what the Great Controversy is all about and also you know looking forward to towards you know the second coming of Jesus and what the world will look like in that time um, you know going off what Bible prophecy says so yeah of course as usual if you want this book you can get it for free um, and you can do that by giving us a call 1-800-324-843 first call of fruit through will get this book completely for free of course we have uh, loved spending time with you here this morning Lyle is a uh, <laughs> He's recovering in the corner. We've loved spending time with you here this morning. Uh, it's, uh, unfortunately, we've come to the end of the week, so we will not be on tomorrow, but you've got to catch us on Monday morning here on Faith FM. But remember, uh, as we continue through the week, talk faith, live faith, and act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. in liberty I thought your treasures would make me happy that were the very things that binded me goodbye old man you promised you had what would fill me there were the very things that robbed me leaving my heart completely empty goodbye old man goodbye old man I hope not to see you again 
It's Ali and Leighton keeping the faith with you. Stay tuned. He made us, he saved us, he's coming back to take us home. Jesus, you are welcome in this place. Father, you are welcome in this space. Holy Spirit, fill our hearts with grace in this palace of time and
Jesus, you are welcome in this place. Father, you are welcome in this place. Holy Spirit, fill our hearts with grace.